believe he's going to bless you with the word of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, open your hearts because you're a champion. Help me welcome Pastor Toby Flanagan here tonight as he comes to bring the word of the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can somebody say hallelujah? Praise God. I want you to go ahead and grab your Bibles here tonight. We're going to get right into it. Somebody say get into it. Praise the Lord. And let's pray that my iPad doesn't give me any issues like it did last time. Praise God. Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you guys are blessed tonight? Amen. It's very fitting tonight that we are talking about warriors. Amen. I had no idea that pastor was going to go in this whole route tonight. With I didn't wear anything warriors because I don't have anything warriors. Amen. But uh, I was actually going to wear my Celtics jersey. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on, man. You guys are, you guys are cold. Come on. I'm a Celtic. I love the Celtics. Amen. But, uh, you know, I, was, I felt like, you know what? I better not. Got too many Warriors fans. Not that I'm not a Warriors fan, but I love the Celtics. Amen. So I almost wore my jersey, but I didn't. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. If you got your Bibles here tonight, I want you to open up to the book of Genesis. We're going to go back to the beginning. Look at your name and say, in the beginning. Amen. Praise the Lord. And here tonight, like I said, uh, um, kind of glad that we're on this vein, if you will, of warriors. Because I'm going to be talking about a certain kind of warrior tonight. Praise the Lord, and open up to Genesis chapter 14. This is a very familiar story here in Genesis of Abraham and Lot. You guys remember the story, right, of Abraham and Lot? I'm not going to get too much into the whole story. We're just going to deal with a certain portion of it, and then we're going we're gonna to take off from there. Chapter 14 of Genesis, and I'm going to read 13 through 16, and I'm going to read it in the King James. And the Bible says, and there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Abner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them and he and his servants by night and smote them. Look at your neighbor and say, smote them. He smote them. Come on. I've never been smote before, but. And pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight, Father, for warriors. And Father, tonight we're going to be talking about a certain kind of warrior, Lord God. And Father, I would pray, Lord, that the same way that you convicted me of this message, God, that, Father, it would convict your people. In the same way, Lord God, that you burdened my heart with this message, Lord God, that it would burden the heart of your people. And, Father, tonight I ask that you would have your way from the beginning all the way to the end of this service, Lord God, that you would move, Father, the way that you want to move, God. Set me aside, Lord. Speak to your people, God. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Like I said, God gave me, you can have your seats here tonight. Praise the Lord. I had a whole nother message. You ever, if you've ever preached before and you had a message and you were like, yeah, this is a message. I'm going to say, God, just give me this message. And then a few days before you're going to speak, God says, no, I'm going to give you something else. Well, this is what God did. And usually he gives you another message and you get real more like, wow, yeah, that's even better. But he gave me this message and I was like, what? All right. And as I began to look at it and I began to pray about it, God began to convict me and began to burden me and, uh, Actually, I, got, I would dare say I got a little upset, and you'll see why in a minute. 
few months ago, there was a story in the news. You guys probably all remember it. How many know that our country is, and we're in a few different countries right now. We have soldiers in a few different countries. Can somebody say amen? Right? And there was a story in the, in the news. You guys right remember this. It was about a certain soldier, and his name was Bo Bergdahl. Do you guys remember him? He was an American soldier who had been held captive by, uh, he was there in Afghanistan. He was held captive. I'm not sure if it was the Al-Qaeda or the ISIS, which one it is. But he was held captive in Afghanistan, and I believe it was for five years. And this story had been filled with a lot of controversy. And there were many people that were very furious about the fact that the U.S. government had negotiated with terrorists and freed five terrorists in exchange for Bergdahl. Do you guys remember that? Were you guys upset about that? Okay, well, it had also been reported by members of Bergdahl's own platoon that he was a deserter, that he was a deserter. In fact, it is documented that he had walked away from his platoon not once, but twice before. So apparently this third time when he walked away, he was taken captive and he was held for five years. Somebody say, wow. And I was, I was listening to this story and I was watching this story over these last couple of months I couldn't help but think of all the Christian soldiers that are who are in prison today. Did you know that? Did you know that there are Christian soldiers that are imprisoned at this moment? And it has often been said that the Christian life is not a playground, that it's a battlefield. Can all the Christian soldiers say amen? amen. Are there any Christian soldiers here tonight? Amen. If you're a Christian soldier, I want you to say amen. amen. You see, we who are born again are soldiers in God's army. Are you with me? Even Paul talked about this in his letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 3, it says this, they, Thou therefore endure hardness, hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Somebody say, praise God. See, tonight I, wanna, I would like to ask you to take a moment. Right now, I want you to look around. I want you to look to your left and look, look behind you. You see all these empty seats? Do you see them? A lot of them say, yes, I see them. This is the empty seat. We got to go out and save souls, and we got to fill the seats. That's true, we do. How many know we got to do that? How many know we got to go out and save souls? How many know we got to go out and reach those that are out there lost and bound? Amen. We got to invite them to Jesus. And somebody say amen. But the empty seats that, that fill our sanctuary are not representative of lost people here tonight. They represent soldiers who are no longer on the battlefield. Too many times we are guilty of looking at our inactive brothers and sisters and saying, well, they probably backslid. Huh? Well, they turned away from the Lord. And that very may, may be true tonight. They might have turned away. They might be backslidden here tonight. Can somebody say amen? amen? But the issue goes much deeper than that. Family? Are we family tonight? Good, because I want to talk to you like family. See, these men and women that I speak of today are our fellow soldiers. Huh? These are our fellow soldiers. Someone once said, and I don't know if it was a Christian or not, but someone once said that the Christian army is the only army that shoots its own wounded. Huh? I'm going to say that one again. The Christian army is the only army that shoots its own wounded. We cannot look at our brothers and sisters who are often described as inactive and assume that they are all in the same condition. Sometimes we think just because they're not here anymore that they're backslidden. That they're out there serving the devil or they're out there doing whatever they want to do because they hate God and they don't like us anymore. And they, they, they know exactly what they're doing. We all think that they're all in the same condition. I'm here to let you know that they're not all in the same condition. And I'm going to share a few of those conditions with you. Are you with me? And I'm going to use some military terms, okay? Some of you guys might not know what this means, but I'm going to let you know. Anybody here from the military? Anybody who served in the military before? Okay, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. The first one is A-W-O-L, AWOL. Huh? Some of them are AWOL tonight. And what does that mean? AWOL means absent, 
without leave. It is defined as being away from military duties without permission, but with the intention of returning. See, that's what Bergdahl was. He was AWOL because he had done it before and he came back. He had deserted. He left his position and then he came back. And he left his position and he came back. But the third time he left, he didn't come back. Huh? Why did he leave? Who knows? I have no idea. Maybe when to go sneak a smoke or something. I don't know. Amen. Because when you're on guard duty, you ain't supposed to go nowhere. Right? When you're on patrol, you're not supposed to go nowhere. But he went somewhere. Can somebody say amen? Now, there are some who were once in the heat of battle fighting the good fight. But for some reason or another, they decided that he needed to step away from the battle. Maybe they were weary from the fight. Anybody ever get tired of fighting? Well, maybe they were weary. Maybe something enticed them to leave the battlefield, and they put down their arms, and they walked away from the fight. They never intended to stay away, but they walked away without their armor, and they may be lying somewhere wounded tonight. Maybe they were captured and are now being held by the enemy like Bergdahl. Either way, they're no longer fighting the good fight tonight. Some of them are AWOL tonight. And tonight, some of them are deserters. They're deserters. Well, what does that mean? This is abandonment of duty or post without permission and is done with the intention of not returning. Huh? Not returning. When Paul was instructing Timothy about fighting battles for the Lord, he encouraged him to cling to his faith in Christ. We got to cling to our faith tonight, family. And to keep his conscience clear, we got to have a clear conscience. And he tells Timothy about two men who had deliberately violated their consciousness, their consciences, consciousness, consciences. Pray for me. Amen. Pray for my consciousness. Amen. And their names were Hymenius and Alexander. And Paul says that they had shipwrecked their faith. They had shipwrecked their faith. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of shipwrecking my faith, it doesn't sound like a good thing. Doesn't sound like a good thing at all. Can somebody say amen? But Paul tells Timothy that they had shipwrecked their faith. And unfortunately, there are some who began to walk with the Lord and made the conscious decision to turn away. They deserted for whatever reason. I don't know. How many know there's a lot of reasons why people would walk away? Huh? There's a lot of reasons why. And I don't know why they did. I don't know why they're not here tonight. I couldn't tell you why they decided in their heart, they decided to walk away and to not return. I have no idea tonight. And the third one is MIA, missing in action. This is a casualty classification for those who were reported missing during active service. They may have been killed. They may have been wounded. They may become a prisoner of war, or they may have deserted. And there are many of our brothers and sisters who could be described as MIA tonight. They're missing in action. They're gone, and we really don't even know where they're at. They were here yesterday, and they're not here tonight. And we don't know where they're at. We don't know why they left. But here tonight, I'm going to ask you a question. Do we just write them off? Ah, well, they just left. Oh, well. Do we just write them off? Or should we go out there looking for them? MIA. And number four, some are prisoners of war, POWs. One who was held captive by the enemy during or immediately after an armed conflict. Christian soldiers, how many know that we face an intense battle? Come on, soldiers. How many know that we face an intense battle? Many times the enemy surrounds them and overpowers them, and they are taken captive and held as prisoners of war. You see, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the battlefield fighting the good fight. They were on the battlefield. They were here with us fighting the good fight of faith. And somehow, someway, they've been captured. Perhaps they didn't put on the whole armor. Huh? Maybe they were missing a piece of the armor when they went into battle and they became a POW. 
Many are on the battlefield today and they forgot to take their sword. Huh? They don't got the word of God with them. Huh? And they're fighting right now. And they might end up as a POW. Some may not have the defensive armor and they've been wounded, therefore making it easier for the enemy to come and to capture them. You see, we must also address the fact that some of these POWs were outnumbered because they were left to fight alone. Hmm? They were left to fight alone. There was nobody there to fight with them. They were fighting the enemy by themselves. They were defenseless. Whatever the situation, our fellow soldiers are absent from the fight tonight. Are you with me? They're wounded. Some have been captured. They're hurting. And even some of them are spiritually dying tonight. And it's our responsibility. It is our responsibility to do all that we can to retrieve them and to see them restored to full spiritual health and return to the battlefield. Are you guys with me tonight? I know this is not an encouraging message. I understand that. When God gave it to me, I didn't want to talk about it. Because I know this is not, because he was talking to me. But tonight he wants to talk to all of us. There's people that are not here tonight. Do you know where they're at? Do you know what they're going through? Or are you just like, oh, well, I'm here. Praise God. I made it. What about your fellow brothers? What about your fellow sisters in the Lord? Our fellow soldiers. We need them back on the battlefield. We need them back on the battlefield tonight. See, not only do we desire to see them restored, but we also need them on the battlefield. How you know God has given us a vision here in this church? God has given us a mission in this church. And without all of the soldiers up showing up for duty, it's not going to happen. We need everybody on the battlefield. We need all the soldiers to show up. Can somebody say amen? You see, inactive church members are not the enemy. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we look at people that have left, whatever reason, maybe they're MIA, POW, maybe they're, they deserted, or maybe, you know, uh, they're AWOL, whatever, the, whatever, whatever it is, whatever, whatever reason they've decided to walk out of here or walk away from the Lord. It's not even really walking out of here, amen? It's just, they're walking away from God. They're not walking away from me, amen? I'm serving God. They're serving, they were serving God. They walked away from him. For whatever reason, sometimes when that happens, we look at, oh, now they're the enemy. We can't talk to them. We see them on the street. Oh, across the street. You know, they don't come to church anymore. Oh, you think it's funny. I'm being serious. I, I've seen people do that. I'm being, you know, all, you know, it sounds funny, right? But with all seriousness, it happens. We treat them like they're the enemy. We treat them like, oh, my God, whatever they got, it's going to jump on me. You know, I don't want to catch the disease. You know, whatever goes through people's minds when they do that. They're not the enemy. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're our fellow soldiers. Let us not forget that they're family tonight. They're family tonight. Are we family tonight? You see, we will never succeed in retrieving our fallen brothers and sisters by negotiating with the enemy. You can't negotiate with the enemy. So what do we do? Well, we can help our fallen comrades. How can we do that? Well, I believe in this text we can see how we can do what I'm talking about tonight. How can we get or how can we retrieve our fellow fallen soldiers. Can somebody say amen? And if you look there in Genesis 14, I talked about there the story of Lot and Abraham or Abram had his name changed. Amen. If you look there, we see that Lot was captured and all his possessions have been taken. And we all know the story of Abraham and Lot and how they separated from one another. If you read, if you go back before that, how they had separated, they were together at one point, right? They were together at one point and, and you know, things had gotten, you know, 
I guess you could say they got blessed, amen. They, they, had, they both had a lot of stuff. They said, hey, man, this is not enough room for both of us. Hey, it's, it's not enough room for both of us. One of us got to go, amen. And so they separated. So if you go back to Genesis 13 in chapter 5, here's what it says. It says, now Lot, who was moving with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose among Abraham's herds and Lot's herds, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not the whole land bef- is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. And if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'm going to go to the left. And Lot took a long look at the well-watered, fertile plains of the Jordan Valley. He then took his flocks and servants and moved to a place near Sodom and settled there. And the place Lot chose was beautiful, but it was also, or, but it was a land of wickedness. Somebody say wickedness. And in verse 13, it says, But the men of Sodom were wicked sinners, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Much could be said about Lot's decision to move to Sodom. You see, his decision illustrates a problem for many of our fallen comrades, many of our fallen soldiers that we speak of today. See, they looked in a certain direction that was enticing, just like Lot did. Remember, he said, hey, you want to go left? Then I'll go right. When it says that Lot began to look, and he began to check out the land, he says, wow, it looks good over there. And he looked over there, goes, wow, it doesn't look too good over there, but it looks good over there. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go where the good stuff is. Can somebody say amen? Anybody ever done that before? Come on now. Let's be honest tonight. Praise the Lord, you're in church. Huh? They looked in a certain direction that was enticing, and they began to walk that way. Now they have found themselves away from the Lord and living in a wicked land. Sometime after Lot moved his family, his servants and livestock to his region, a war broke out. Look at your neighbor and say, a war broke out. And several different kings joined together and fought against other kings in that same region where Lot was at, in that good region. Amen? And as a result of this battle, those who were victorious, they plundered Sodom and Gomorrah. And when they had journeyed back to their home, homeland, they took all the spoils of war. And in verse 12, we find that Lot was captured. And they seized all of his possessions. But it says there in verse 13 that one of Lot's men escaped the aggressors and he informed Abraham what happened. So one guy got loose, amen? And he went back to Abraham and he told him what happened. Now here's where we get into the, the meat of the message, amen? When Abraham heard what happened, what did he do? When he read the scripture and this man came and he told Abraham what happened, Abraham did something. And the Bible says that he responded. Huh? The Bible says that Abraham responded immediately. He did not sit back and say, well, that's what he gets for making the decision that he made. Huh? That's what he gets for going to that wicked land. That's not what he said. Huh? Did he say that? No, he didn't. He gathered every resource at his disposal and was willing to do whatever was necessary to recover his imprisoned family member. Huh? And in the next few verses, we see how he, we should respond to ensure that there was no soldier left behind. Look at your neighbor and say, no soldier left behind. Abraham responded. Abraham responded. Now, there's some things that we must grasp here tonight concerning those who were once here and are no longer on the battlefield. And one of those things is as soldiers, because we're all soldiers, can somebody say amen? We must be prepared. Somebody say, be prepared. You see, Abraham gathered a group of men together, the Bible says, and there were 318 of them to be exact. Now, there's something special about these men that Abraham had. 
right? When you read the verse there, the Bible says that they were trained and ready. That they were trained and ready. It says that he armed his trained servants. You see, here in the United States, we have a, we have a lot of different armed forces, right? We have, our, we have the Army, we got the Navy, we got the Marines, right? Uh, we got the Air Force, you know, then we got the Coast Guard, we got all these different... And in these different uh, branches of military, we have special elite groups, such as the Navy SEALs, the Army Rangers, the Green Berets. Now, these soldiers are highly trained to perform unconventional and oftentimes high-risk missions. And as Christian soldiers, we must be trained as well and ready to respond at a moment's notice. See, we must have the knowledge to understand the enemy that we face, and we must be familiar with the sound of the commander's voice. Can somebody say amen? See, we must have our weapons, we must have our defensive armor, and we must have the knowledge and ability to properly use them. Can somebody say amen tonight? We have to respond tonight. Look at your neighbor and say respond. We always must be on guard for attack from the enemy. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion, walking around seeking whom he may devour. Huh? We got to be ready to respond. Notice that Abraham's men didn't have to get ready. The Bible doesn't say that Abraham went to his men and said, hey, I need you guys to go get ready, you know, start, you know, training and start practicing with your weapons and, you know, start learning how to do this and start learning how to do that because, you know, eventually we're going to go over here and do something. That's not what happened. That's not what the Bible says, amen? The Bible says that they were ready. Huh? It says that they were ready. Look at your neighbor and say, they were ready. It says he armed his trained servants. He armed his trained servants. You don't give somebody an arm, I don't mean like this. You don't give somebody a weapon unless they know how to use it. And the Bible says that he armed his trained servants. They were armed and they were ready. They were already trained. They already knew what to do. They already knew how to respond. They didn't have, he didn't have to tell them. As soon as he handed them the weapon, they were like, hey, we're ready to go. Where are we going? Let's do this. Huh? 318 men. See, here tonight, family, these are our fellow soldiers who have been wounded or captured on the battlefield. We don't have time to spare. The time is to, to act is now when we must be prepared. Are you spending time training for warfare? Are you getting ready to do battle tonight? Because if you're not ready to do battle, if you're not getting ready to do battle, when the battle comes, I'm here to let you know that the battle's going to come knocking at your front door sooner or later. And if you're not ready for it, if you're not ready for it, hmm, you might find yourself captured or imprisoned. You might end up a POW. You might be MIA. Huh? I don't know. Another thing that we have to understand when it comes to going after our fallen comrades, our fallen fellow soldiers, is we've got to have a devotion to the, to the mission. We have to have a devotion to the mission. The Bible says in verse 14 that they pursued them unto Dan, that they went after them, that they chased them, that they didn't give up, they didn't stop. Huh? These men had a mission, and the mission was to rescue the prisoner. They didn't sit around and talk about how they should go get him. Huh? They didn't sit around and say, oh, hey, let's think up a plan. So what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? No, the Bible says that they pursued them, that they just went after them, that they grabbed their weapon, and they went after them. Can somebody say amen? amen? See, they didn't start out to get him and then turn back when they saw the enemy. Huh? Because how many know that it was only 318 men going after a whole army? Huh? wasn't an army going after an army. Praise the Lord. See, they were steadfast in their mission, and they fought with all they had until they reached their goal. How many know that we have a mission? 
Huh? How many of you know that we have a mission tonight? Huh? We know where they are and what needs to be done. When you look around and there's people that you don't see here tonight, some of them you know where they're at. You know what's going on within their lives. See, we know where they, some of them are. We know what needs to be done. But how come we're not doing it? How come they're not here tonight? Did you call them? Have you gone to their house? Have you prayed for them? Huh? You see, we don't need to talk about what our fallen brethren need to do. Because we, we have a habit of doing that. Well, you know, they just need to come back to church, man. You know, they just need to get right. Right? That's, you know, that's some of the stuff you hear. And I'll be honest. I've said it. I've said stuff like that before. That's one of the reasons why God dealt with me with this message. Because I've said stuff like this. I've had these mindsets before. I've felt like this. You see, we don't need to say that another group of soldiers should go, out, should go and go, go get them. You know, hey, somebody should call that brother. Somebody should go over there and visit that guy. No, you go do it. You go talk to him. You go pray for him. You call him. You go show up at his house. You show up at her house. Go show up at her job. Huh? See, we know what to do. We know what we should do. We just need to do it. How many know this is Victory Outreach? Oh, come on. This is Victory Outreach. If anybody should know how to do stuff like this, it's Victory Outreach. Some of, the, some of us here tonight was because somebody went to your house and pulled you out. Huh? Some of you were POWs at one time. Some of you guys were MIA. Hello? Huh? But now you're like, no, now you're too good. I'm going to step on some toes tonight, all right? Is that okay? How many times do we look at someone who was backslidden and put them down? We talk about them like they're the enemy. As I mentioned before, many of them are in the shape they're in because they've been abandoned on the battlefield. Again, some of the reasons why they're there because there was nobody standing there with them. Huh? We were, we were too busy lifting our hands. Praise the Lord. And then we looked over. Oh, where did they go? You know, not understanding that the person next to us was going through something. They were on the battlefield, man. The enemy was coming at them. The enemy was attacking them. And we were too busy, caught up in me, myself, and I. Huh? They were then captured by the enemy and had become prisoners. Some of them are prisoners of lust. Some of them are prisoners of addiction. Some of them are prisoners of greed. Some are prisoners of discouragement. Some are prisoners of depression. Some are prisoners of abuse. And many other issues that the enemy would use against them. So many different reasons or so many different things that could be holding them captive tonight. And we must grasp the fact that it is our duty. Hear me, Victory Outreach. It's our duty to reach them. We got to go after them. It's our duty. Not somebody else's. Those are our family. Those are our fellow soldiers. Romans 51 says this, when then that are strong, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. And on that note, you know, if you're not spiritually strong, don't go after somebody that's out there, you know, that's, you know, having those kinds of troubles. Because like it says right here, let you be tempted. But make sure, those of you who do, that are, you, you've been praying, you've been training, and you've been getting yourself ready for battle, you go out there. 
You do it. You go with those ones. Even if that person is weak, but they want to go. Hey, if someone's weak and they, they may not got all the gifts, they may not have all, they might not be all that spiritual, but they got a burden for those that are still, you go with them. You go with them. You say, come on, I'm going to go with you. Huh? And you guys go. Don't let them go by themselves. Simply put, we must see the need and we got to meet the need. We're good at seeing the need, right? We're like, oh man, I, you know, man, I, there's people here that they're so good at telling what everybody's going through. Oh, well, yeah, this person this, this person's that. We can see the need, but are you meeting the need? Don't just see it, meet it. See, we should be ready to act and be devoted to the mission. Not just me, not just one other person, but all of us. We all got to be devoted to the mission. Huh? Another thing that we must work together. We got to work together, family. Verse 15 says that he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night. And smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. You see, Abraham divided his men and he attacked the enemy during the night. And the enemy fled, but they continued to pursue them, the Bible says, until they reached a town north of Damascus. Remember in verse 13, one of them had escaped. And he came and he told Abraham that Lot had been captured, that his family had been captured. And I'd like to think that, you know, this man who came, the guy who got away, that, you know, he had the courage, I guess you would say, to run all the way back, to travel all the way back to Abraham and let him know, hey, Lot got captured. It took his whole family, it took his herds, it took everything. I would like to think that that same guy that was able to do all that said, hey, you guys are going to go get him? I'm going to go with you. Huh? I would like to think that, but the Bible doesn't say that he did or not. It doesn't say. But see, I'm here to let you know that there's never a shortage of people who notice that these folks are missing. And they will let you know about it. Huh? You'll hear stuff like this. Well, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. Well, I heard they're out there working, trying to get all that money, trying to get all kinds of cars. Right? There's no shortage, no shortage of those kinds of people. And it's been my experience that the ones who run to inform you of all the negatives are usually the last ones willing to be a part of the solution. Hmm? And there are many who see the empty pews around them and are quick to talk about the fact. Right? Wow, there sure is a lot of empty seats tonight. Praise the Lord, right? Never a shortage of those kinds of people. Amen. There ain't nobody here tonight, amen. That's the church down the street. Huh? But they always seem to be talking about what someone else needs to do to get those people back. Someone needs to go talk to that brother. Someone needs to show up at their house. Huh? Come on now. I'm going to challenge somebody. You ever hear, if you hear somebody say something like that, you tell them, come on, get in the car. You're going with me. You take them down there. You say, we're going. Now, you're absolutely right. Someone needs to go down there. And I think that person is you. And you tell them, come on. Get in my car. Huh? You see, there's power in numbers. Say, there's power in numbers. See, Abraham had 318 men. You see, we can do more together than we can apart. Did you know that? How do you know there's more power in the amens? The more amens we have, the more power we have. Huh? There's power in numbers. We can do more together than we can apart. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him, say woe to him, that is alone when he falls, for he had not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have no heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We can do more together. And what do I mean by that? I mean... Yes, it's great if you have a, you know, a few people that are like, yeah, we want to go, we're going to do it. 
But if we're all doing it, if we all come together, we all in one spirit, one accord, have that same burden for these people, they'll be back. They'll be back. Because they'll be like, these people keep coming to my house. People keep calling me. People keep texting me. Eventually, they're just going to get sick of it. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to be transparent tonight. I think I've been, I've been MIA. I've been a POW. I've been a deserter. I've been all these things. Huh? And people bugged me, called me, came over to my house, asked me questions I didn't want to answer. All these things. And I'm here today. And I'm here today because they bugged me, because they got all up in my business. Look at your neighbor and say, get up in somebody's business. When we work together, huh? There's more power in numbers, amen? One of the great benefits of the early church is that they were together and all in one accord. Huh? If we're going to impact the lives of those that are missing, if we're going to be successful to rescue our fellow soldiers, we got to work together. We got to do it as a team. Can somebody say amen? Because team stands for what? Together, everybody accomplishes more. We can accomplish more in this when we do it together. Amen? See, if we truly desire to see no soldier left behind, then we got to comprehend that the time to act is now. That as soldiers, we must be prepared, and that we got to have a devotion to the mission, and that we must work together. And when we are prepared, when we're devoted, when we're working together, we're going to see that victory is possible. Oh, come on now. Victory is possible. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that victory is possible? Not for you, but for them. You're here tonight because you got the victory. They just forgot that they got the victory. You know it tonight. They just forgot. We got to go remind them. Can somebody say amen? And verse 16 says, and he brought back all the goods. It didn't say he brought back some of the goods. It says he brought back all the goods, and he also brought back his brother Lot. And he even brought back the women. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many know you got to bring back the women too? Right? Come on. He brought everything back. Because he could have left, left whatever he wanted. You know, he could have just keep, brought back what was important to him. He could have just went and brought back his brother Lot. But he said that he, he went and he brought back everything. Huh? How many know that when we go out there, we got to bring back everything? You got to tell him, no, you got to come back with everything. We're going to go out there. We're going to bring them all back. Huh? We're not going to just bring a few back. We're going to bring them all back. Can somebody say amen? You see, because Abraham cared enough to act and because the men that he took were trained and ready to go because they went forward with passion and fervor. And because of that, the enemy fled. Because of that, the goods were restored. Because of that, Lot was rescued. And because of that, everybody in Lot's family was rescued as well. You see, when we take these steps or take those steps that are necessary to retrieve our fallen comrades, we may see, that these, we may see these same results. We may see our enemy flee. We can recover lost ground. We can rescue our brothers and sisters who have been wounded and captured and imprisoned. Do you see what I see in this story? You see, there was more at stake than just Lot. It was more than just Lot. You read the story, we think about, wow, it was just, you know, Abraham went after his, his family, you know, Lot, went after his brother, went after Lot, and he got him back. Amen, praise God. He got that guy back. But it was much deeper than that when you really pay attention to the story. You see, there were other lives that were impacted. By, the, by this rescue operation that Abraham went on. I'm going to have AJ come, the team come, and I'm going to share the story with you.
You see, there was a certain man in a certain church. We're going to call him Brother Smith, amen? Now, Brother, S- Brother Smith was saved and radically changed 15 years ago. And after he was saved, he started bringing his whole family to church. And several months later, his wife got saved. And the Smiths had five children, three boys and two girls. And over the years, and as a result of Sunday school, all five of his children got saved. And Brother Smith's parents and in-laws began attending the same church. He also brought with him several nieces and nephews. And Brother Smith grew spiritually and became very active in the church. And then as a result of the recession, financial woes hit the Smith household. And Brother Smith began working overtime. And every Saturday was spent at work. And as a result of working on Saturdays, the family began to miss church every now and then for recreation. Then the dad began to work on Sundays periodically. The family still came to church, but it wasn't as often as before. And as time went on, they began to miss more and more. And eventually, Mr. and Mrs. Smith were out of church altogether. And the children were not old enough to drive, so they were out of church too. The nieces and nephews, well, they lost their ride as well. Then the grandparents began to miss service in order to go spend time with the children. And when it was all said and done, that church had two extra empty pews, 14 less active members. And as a result, they lost a piano player, an usher, two Sunday school teachers, and eight children. And immediately the people in the church noticed their absence and they began to discuss this tragedy at lunch one day after the service. And some of them even told the preacher that you should go and visit them. And others said, what a shame that a man would allow this to happen to his family. Some said that even if Mr. and Mrs. Smith weren't going, those grandparents should have been responsible enough to bring all those children to church. Yeah, there was no shortage of people who would criticize the Smith family for their backsliding condition. But there were a couple sweet ladies in the church who were very concerned. They made it a point to pray for the Smiths every day. They wrote them letters and periodically called them on the phone. And they even went to the Smith's house. And as they sat at the Smith's kitchen table and with tear-filled eyes shared with them their burden for their spiritual condition, Brother Smith was touched by their concern. And he had already been under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he began to weep and pray. And then he redirected, rededicated his life and immediately resolved to take his family back to church. And even more, to be the spiritual leader in his household. And the rest of the family followed the patriarch, and God did amazing work in that family. All because of a couple Christian ladies. That was me. That was my family. simple simple we think people leave the church because I don't know honestly I don't know we come up with all kinds of wild speculations of why people leave sometimes it's they don't leave on purpose they don't you know I mean life happens things happen but I thank God for the people in the church that came after me Thank God for them. See, these ladies realized that it was time for action. They were ready for the battle. They knew what to do. They were devoted to their mission. 
and they were willing to work together to go after this whole family. Again, I ask you to look around at these empty pews. See, they represent a problem that is much deeper. See, the people who should be in these pews are getting farther and farther and farther away from the Lord. Every day that we don't go after them, they're getting farther away. They're hurting. They're wounded. Some of them have been captured and imprisoned. And one day it could be you. It could be you one day. I don't think anybody sets out to backslide. I know I did it three times. Three times. A lot of people didn't know that. Three times. Pastor knew that. Three times. There were times that him and his dad came to my house. Some of you have been there. Some of you guys have been exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Somebody came after you. Somebody reached out to you. Somebody went after you. And you're here tonight. Praise God. But what are you going to do? See, our brothers and sisters are hurting. and Are we willing to leave them behind tonight? Does it even bother us that they're prisoners of war? Does it bother us that they're missing in action? Does it bother us that they're AWOL tonight? Maybe there's not a lot that you can do, but you can pray, right? You know, you say, well, I don't have a car. Hey, I get that. Amen. But you can pray, huh? You can pray for them. And here tonight, I'm going to do something a little different. We can all stand. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I hope it messed with you. Because it messed with me. Because I had come to a place that I forgot where I was at some years ago. And I think about it, you know, hey, it's been, yeah, it's been over 10, 12, 15, 15 years since I, you know, since that was me. But I have to understand that I can end up there again if I'm not careful. I can end up there again. I had to remember that there's people that are there right now. There's people just like me that are there right now. Waiting for somebody to come talk to them. Waiting for somebody to call them. Waiting for somebody to show up and minister to them. You don't got to have all the right words. All you got to do is you just got to be able to love. That's it. You just got to learn how to love people. How do you love people? However you love people. Hug them. That's how you love people. Hug them. When you're genuine, they know it. People know genuineness. And they know fakeness. All you got to do is love people. You don't got to be a, a licensed minister. You don't got to be an evangelist. You don't got to be a, you don't have to have a time. Just go after them. They need to be here. They need to be on the battlefield. We need them side by side. Can somebody say amen? So I'm going to do something a little different here tonight. I'm not going to make an altar call where you come and we're going to pray for you. I'm going to make an altar call where we're going to come and we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for those people here tonight. So here tonight, as they begin to play, if you have the ability, I want you to come to the altar and we're going to begin to pray and we're going to lift up all those fallen soldiers, all those people. When you look around here tonight, you see and you know, because you know who they are. 
You might not know every single one of them, but you might just remember one. You look around, you say, wow, she's not here tonight. She hasn't been here in a while. And that's who I want you to pray for. Or maybe you see, you know, you notice a brother that's not, maybe it's a brother that left the home. I mean, we got a lot of, you know, I know the home. Guys come in and guys go out. A lot of good guys, man. A lot of guys that, you know, God has a calling on their lives. Powerful callings. And they left. They walked away. Who knows why? Who? I don't know. Maybe family pulled them out. Who knows? That's who I want you guys to pray for. Okay? So I want, I want I'm going to go ahead as they begin. If I want you to come to the altar, amen? I'm going to have Pastor Greg come. We are here. Pastor Daryl, you want to come? By his We're going to begin to pray. So whoever God has put it on your heart right now, the face that God is showing you right now, begin to pray. Begin to intercede for that brother. Begin to intercede for that sister.